Hello and welcome back to this podcast, Control-Alt-Delete. This episode is a bit of a blast from the past. I am on holiday this week and replaying some of my old episodes that were some of people's favourites. This episode is with June Sarpong and it was recorded back in 2017 in November. We were backstage at Stylus Live and I managed to grab some time with June. We discuss her book Diversify in this episode, which was newly out at the time of recording. I just absolutely love everything that she does. She's worked in the media for 20 years. She's one of the most recognisable faces of British television. She's hosted some amazing things like in 2005, the Make Poverty History event in Trafalgar Square. And in 2008, she hosted Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday celebrations alongside Will Smith in front of 30,000 people in Hyde Park. She has written another book since this podcast went out. It's called The Power of Women. It's about how feminism should and can work for everyone. And she's also got another book out called The Power of Privilege Soon. She has lots of things going on. So please make sure you're following her across all social media so you're getting all the updates to do with June and her amazing career. We talk about how it's important to have difficult conversations in this episode and also how to get out of your own bubble. So I think it's still quite relevant and I hope you enjoy it and I'll be back soon. June, it's incredible. There's sequins involved in your outfit. Today there are. You look amazing. Well, it takes one to know one. I'm loving, I'm loving the red boots as well. This Matching is the good the thing mix. about podcasts. It's yeah. like, let's just describe what we look like. <laughs> we need to take pictures. <laughs> so I've got your book on my lap. Yeah. And I've got to say, you. it's so it's so big. There's so much in it. This yeah. Is, when I read this book, I couldn't help but think, A, I'm really enjoying it, but B, so much research. So much research, yeah. So um, when I started the process, I really wanted um, to have like proper, robust academic research to back up all the points that I was making. So it wasn't just from my perspective or wasn't just anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I partnered with Nuffield College, Oxford University. And so they worked on the research for, I think, maybe just over a year. Um, And then I also partnered with the LSC that did another set of research and calculations. So, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. a lot of data. But it's done in a really accessible way. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Kind of subtitles and smaller chapters, and it's very, it's quite bite-sized in places. It's like an exclusive in a way that you've got this data that's nowhere else. Yeah, yeah. Some of it is other places. It's a combination of new uh, uh, and existing research, all condensed. So would you say, so obviously the book is called Diversify, would you say in a nutshell, this is what I took away from it, is the importance of hanging out with people who are not like you? Yeah. From age to class to race to... And, and I love that because yeah. you really do cover a lot of different things. Yeah, because I think really what it's about, Emma, is how we create a framework where everybody, regardless of their background, regardless of their physical or, or mental ability uh, can contribute to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to do. And actually, I believe that that starts when we connect with the other, mm. whatever that other is for you. I did love so much of the data and all of the research and obviously finding out new mm. stuff. I was educating myself, but your voice really comes through in it as well. My favourite bits personally were kind of the bits where your voice really came through and it felt like you were talking to me. Oh. There was a bit especially where... 
you're talking about um, privilege and, yes. and and how and your and you growing up and what I thought was so interesting was when you said that you had an aspect of privilege because you got on TV so early yeah. but of course yeah. you didn't have any privilege exactly, at all exactly yes and also spelling out what that means yes because i think i think i feel quite fortunate to have a, I suppose, semi-unique perspective in the sense that I am um, a woman of colour from a working-class background, but at the same time, like you say, I started out really early. I was 16 when I started, and so I experienced what it feels like to get special treatment just because, and what it feels like when doors are open to you just because and people are nice to you just because um but also knowing what the reverse feels like too yeah mm. yeah and was it important for you to talk about all sorts of different chapters because i guess this book isn't just about it's not just talking about class or race no it's talking about all sorts of all things. sorts of things and was that really important very much so because you know it's funny one of the things that i had with the publishers was a debate about whether or not to have a chapter on race and for me I was quite adamant that I didn't want one because I think the experience of women of colour is very different to, the, different to the experience of men of colour same way the experience of white women is different to the experience of white men and so I felt it was really important to deal with those issues in the context of gender um, but the, the, the book is broad like you say I look at class I look at disability I look at age um, uh, across the board because I think what we need to realise is that most people are discriminated against in society. And actually what we need to do is look at how we unravel that and allow everybody to thrive. Mm. And sometimes when you see things only from your perspective, so you see it from the perspective of gender, or you know, or if I see it from the perspective of race and gender, you think you're the only one being discriminated against. Actually, no. There's, yes, there's a hierarchy, and maybe some people face rejection more than others, but I would say the majority of people do. You're not afraid to have a debate? No. And you're not no. afraid to just, you know, really open it out and be like, let's talk about this. And yeah. I've for so long been quite scared of, oh, wow. of um, I don't know, just kind of entering a conversation that, for example, like when I watch Question Time, yeah. I, I'm like, oh my God, I could not survive <laughs> on that panel. Because you've got to have a bit of a thick but skin as I well. I think you could. I mean, look at what you've done. I think... Let's have a minute just about you for a second, please. I think, think about it, to go from having a journalistic career and pivoting and setting up your own thing and then succeeding at it, that's like one in a million. So that in itself shows that clearly you're somebody that is totally fine with challenging the status quo. Because you weren't supposed to do that. You were supposed to stay with the safe stuff. Mm. And you didn't. That is true, actually, kind of getting out of your comfort zone. Isn't yeah. I do feel like it's important. And also, I'm surrounded by women all the time, which I do love. Mm. But I've made a bit of a conscious effort this year, especially to not just be around women. Which is, you must, because mm. the whole thing is, we also need to influence men to change the way we need them to change. Mm -hmm. They are the gatekeepers more in most cases, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, whenever I look around an audience and I just think, well, I'm kind of preaching the, to, to the, the converted, converted and, that, yeah. and actually that is not, not, not the best way. And with everything that's been going on recently with all the sort of sexual harassment cases and what have you not, it's the men that we really need to talk to. Yeah. So, yeah. In the book, on the first page, there's, well, not the first page, like the inside bit, there's mm. kind of a bio about you. Mm. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, you have done so much for... <laughs> for, for an old woman. No, no, no. <laughs> 
I lean for like feminism and, and for charities and, oh. and like good good causes. And oh. I saw you do that speech at the Be Cool, Be Nice event oh, a few weeks yes, ago, and yes. that was amazing. But <laughs> but I think of longevity. So I mean, it's been twenty years. Um, it's been a long time, um, but. I did have to go away for part of it. So, you know, I was in America for eight and a half years of, of that 20. Um, and I think it was important for me to do that. When I finished T4, I was 29 or 30, I think. And I, you know, I'd done that show for 12 years. And so, I love that show. Wasn't it so much so fun? Good. And so, I needed to sort of recalibrate and reinvent if that's the word um and i think going to america was really helpful in terms of being able to do that and being able to try new things um and do things that i'd never done before here um without judgment because i think i probably a lot of people would have been oh what is she doing isn't she a you know a youth tv presenter or whatever so going away certainly helped because mm. don't you think that's um a big part of working in the media now anyway just because of technology changing platforms yes. changing the yes. media you know shutting down in some places erupting out of the ground in other places yeah everyone needs to rebrand themselves yeah. all the time now everyone has to evolve they mm. do yeah. yeah yeah but with um the book what are you most excited about kind of with people reading it and also the events that you're doing like yes. you know we're at stylus now for example Darling, what don't. are you excited about people kind of like getting the discussions that are going to come yeah, out of it. I think what I'm most excited about is two things. One is hopefully the self-analysis um, that the reader will go through, because I, I hope it's a book that makes you think about yourself and how you're being in the world and what your contribution is to the world and whether or not your actions are making the world uh, a fairer place uh, or a more exclusive place. And I don't mean exclusive in a good way either. Um, and then I hope what it does is it brings people together, people who normally wouldn't connect, you know? I hope that, what well, it's so funny, I was with, you know Tim Lovejoy? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I was with him the other day and he was saying to me that he'd read the book and um, there was a man that came to talk to him on the train and he normally would have been really rude and like ignored him and he was like, no, 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 June said I have to talk to the other. <laughs> yes, yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I said to him, did you enjoy the conversation? He said, not really, but I did it. <laughs> it's amazing what you learn. Yeah. But, and also as a as someone who creates content or is mm. creative in some way, and we all are, where are you going to get your ideas from? Yeah. If you're just in your own bubble exactly. all the time. Exactly. It's so boring. And also I think people don't realise that there's magic to be had in difference. And actually when you get out of your comfort zone, that's really how you grow. So, yeah. yeah. I interviewed someone actually called Will Store recently. And Will he Storm. wrote the book called Selfie. That's yeah, just come out. of course, yes. Um, he was saying that as a journalist... Um, he would talk to mass murderers. He's talked to, you know, misogynists. He's talked to... And he was saying that, you know, I'm not saying I agree with these people. But I understand. But I understand yeah. them. Yeah. And th and I that clicked in my head. I was like, oh, there's yeah. a difference. Yeah. You can talk to someone and understand them. And still totally. disagreeing. Yes. And that's why I really... One of the things I suggest in the book is for people to follow 10 people on social media that they completely disagree with and, they, and, and that they would never want to interact with in any shape or form because it's the only way you understand you know how can we debate Nigel Farage if we don't know what he stands for and if we don't understand how he came to that thinking because I think when you have that information 
that's when you're able to properly challenge some of these, I would say, more dangerous views. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a line with someone maybe you wouldn't follow? Yes. I used to follow Donald Trump, Emma. Mm. I can't do it no more. I, I want to get blocked. I'm like, that's the biggest yeah. thing. I'm like, you know when Chrissy My Teigen friend got, got blocked? blocked? Yeah. My friend got blocked the other day. <laughs> he was so impressed. It's, it's like the sign of, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the a resistance. career moment. Yes. Because I guess politics is a good example of that, right? Mm. Like, I, when you know when you see everyone doing the same as you, yes. and then you're shocked by a result yeah yeah and we've had some shocking results in the last few years so yeah so is there anything that you would say to anyone who is at the brink of hopefully doing something that they they want to do they're very passionate about in their job yeah I think what a lovely place to be if they are in that place because most people are in jobs that they don't enjoy Um, and I would say two things Um, one and I think women really need to develop this, uh, is a thicker skin and not to take rejection personally. Um, and also to realize that actually sometimes rejection is a way of improving and pivoting and then coming back. So I would say that rejection is not always a bad thing mm-hmm. and rejection isn't always about you either. Um, and then the second thing is to do what scares them. Yeah. Do it. You'll find you might fail though you might succeed so I'm sure you were scared setting up this podcast yeah and look two million downloads later things that scare you every day or do you just make sure you do like one thing a month well there's a great quote by Eleanor Roosevelt and she says do one thing that scares you every day now I would say I wouldn't do I don't do one thing I mean who's got the time I mean Eleanor Roosevelt had the time <laughs> when she was alive um but I try to do things often that scare me and yeah. talk to people that I'm intimidated by or reach out to people that I'm thinking, oh, God, they'd never want to talk to me. I do it because you just never know what might come out of it. And, and there are a couple of references and examples that I, I, I state in the book where, you know, where I did push myself and then as a result got fantastic outcomes and where I didn't and lost out as a, as a result. And I think, think about what could happen if you force yourself out of your comfort zone and make that approach to that person maybe magic could come out of it maybe you could have a complete career change maybe you could meet the man of your dreams i don't know whatever or you know the reverse you just stay as you are so i think risk the rejection for the good stuff for the big stuff yeah that's mm. really good advice mm. I, especially now kind of anxiety as a whole is on the rise you, yes. can, you can just feel it in the air yeah it's it's very easy to just stay inside the house oh, <laughs> under a blanket and be like i don't want to leave i quite enjoy that though <laughs> yeah so netflix <laughs> <laughs> yes amazing um no it's interesting what you're saying about rejection as well because i recently had this epiphany where i was like mm. oh my god every time you see someone doing something cool mm. like a film star like an actor about 10 other people have been rejected for that role isn't that something and yeah. I was watching an interview with someone and like, more than 10 more yeah, yeah, yeah way more yeah. and so when you hear some Such people say oh I, I nearly got this role but actually my friend got it it's like god everyone's being rejected all the time yeah. even the people you really even admire. Angelina Jolie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 totally I'm going to start thinking that from now on when something doesn't go my way or if something does go my way 
is to remember the person who also wanted to do that thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I like that. So true. <laughs> do you know what? I had something happen to me where I uh, my book had just come out, like mm. it was in Waterstones, and I got an email rejecting the book from someone delayed a delayed reaction like they'd clearly just got to my i hope you sent them a picture of it I, I deleted it i was like i'm gonna be the bigger person you're just so accept. much better than me i, I was like <laughs> hopefully they'll just see it but i just thought that's a, you know that's a good message you know you can get rejected when you've even bloody done it exactly <laughs> so how did you find the process of writing a book I found it quite fun actually because mm -hmm. I had a full-time job at the time I was working um, at Glamour magazine mm. and I almost treated the book as like some fun time. Oh did you? Yeah. Okay and um, how long did it take you to do yours? About three or four months. Oh wow you're amazing. Okay. But no but yeah. this book is I've got to say mine is like <laughs> very sort of a book of essays. This is how long did this take? Two years. Because this is this is why I was reading it thinking as someone who's sort of written something writes, half, half yeah. the size though my book is I was like this is incredible but also you've got really up-to-date references yes you mentioned Grenfell yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Charlottesville well the funny thing was Emma basically the book had gone into the sort of final edit and every day something insane would happen and I'd call up my editor Cleo can we add this can we add this she goes you've got an hour to write a paragraph and send it and send it and send it and then I can't remember there was one last thing and I was like please 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 and she said no we've pressed print <laughs> Isn't that sort of <laughs> symbolic of the, of, of the creative process where you're like, when is it done? When is it done? It's never done. And for me, I think this book is really just the start um, of what I hope will be a bigger conversation um, because not everybody reads books, um, which is why I think it's so important to come on podcasts like yours um, to speak to a wider audience. So even if they're not going to get the book, hopefully they'll go to the website um, and hopefully they'll do some of the things we suggest. You know, we have our diversified dinners where we say host a dinner uh, full of other people, others that you normally wouldn't connect with. And the idea is everybody provides a recipe so that the menu is diverse and you sort of find common ground through breaking bread. And I think there's lots of entry points um, into how we can better connect with the other. That is such mm. a good idea. Also bringing back the old art of an actual conversation at dinner yes and with we re and really structured so we so we give people a sort of toolkit which has a set of questions and what we say is pick people to answer various questions so then you know that everybody has a chance to contribute to the conversation um, and then also it's not free-for-all but then you know that there's also a sort of a constructive outcome at the end of the dinner in the sense that we ask everyone to leave promising to do one thing Oh, so, yeah. that is amazing. Mm. How can people so, find out about those? So they, they go, to, yeah, so go to the website, diversify.org, very simple, um, and it's all there. I hope you're going to host one well, of them. I'm yeah, just thinking, and that's you better send me night. the pictures. Yeah, yes, yeah, send me the pictures. I so, genuinely feel like those are the moments where you think, oh, this is what being like a human is about. Yeah. Coming it is. home with all these different stories from other people yeah it's important it really is because I think and also what I think is important is that we be hopeful you know the book is a hopeful book it's positive yes some of the stats are grim reading but there's also solutions at the end of it and I think sometimes we have to know the truth in order to figure out how we fix it so no more burying our head in the sand no more avoiding 
difficult conversations. No more not challenging ourselves when we have limiting beliefs. You know, when you meet somebody that's different, how are you around them? And I think a way to, to, uh, to sort of be able to diagnose that is you know what you feel like around people who seem similar to you. When you encounter someone who isn't, do you change? And if you change, question why. And then I think it's that self-analysis that then help, helps us all move on mm. and move forward. That's yeah. so interesting. Do you know what's funny is I, I was just thinking of Rene Edo-Lodge. Yeah, I love Who was Rene. actually on that poster. Yes, gorgeous, And we're in a room Rene. with Rene, yes. who was on the cover of Stylus. And in the, in the episode I did with her, yes. she really sort of inspired me to not be um, defensive. Everyone defends their beliefs let go of that defensiveness it is let go of the defensiveness and also what i think is really important and you know why i love what renee did with her book was she really expressed um so poignantly expressed the pain of being discriminated against and being shut down even by well-intentioned people and I think what I would hope, I think, is that the next step beyond that is I think we need to change the narrative and some of the words around these issues. So for me, I really don't like the word racism. I think it's so harsh. And we use it to describe all forms of racial discrimination. And I think that there's a, there are sort of varying degrees. So when you use the word racism, straight away the thing we think of are, is the most extreme version of that. And then everybody, the, the, the wall goes up and you sort of, you do become defensive because you think, I'm not that person. I'm not the person at Charlottesville carrying Nazi flags. That you see. To me, that's racism. What I prefer is otherizing. And I use that, and, I, and we've got a thing called the ism calculator where you can actually diagnose your isms and hopefully challenge them. What I prefer is otherizing because it's different. What otherizing is, it's just a sort of discomfort with difference. And, it's, and, it's, and it informs thinking and it, it and informs and influences behavior. And it's challenging that. And I think when we use different words and we start a whole new narrative around it, that's when people can be honest and start moving forward. But if you're brandishing people as something they're not, no way are we ever going to move forward. And it's funny because, it, you know, it's, it's one of the examples I use, and I don't know if it's in the book, I think it's in the video that we did. And I say, look, we all are infected with some form of ism. Now, is it a common cold? Is it flu or is it pneumonia? And I would say most people are in the common cold flu region. And pneumonia, that's a whole different ballgame. I don't have the solutions for pneumonia. <laughs> Those people that were carrying the flags at Charlottesville, that, that's not what this book is for. This book is for where the majority of people are. And it's, and it's because we've been conditioned. And the other thing as well, which I think is so important, is to take away the blame and to take away the guilt and the shaming. And the reason we never deal with these issues is because there are two emotions that most human beings want to avoid, and it's guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And if you are uh, part of the dominant culture, there's a sense of guilt that you carry with that. And whenever it's triggered, your defenses do go up. 
I understand how that's possible. And if you're part of a group that's discriminated against, there's a sense of shame that you carry around that too. And again, when that's triggered, the wall goes up. And I think what we need to do is we need to somehow remove the judgment, which is why I love the 12-step program, and that's why the six steps are sort of based on 12 steps. I think when you take away the judgment, then it means that people can share honestly and people can express their ignorance and their fears. And the other thing is we all realise that we are just a product of our conditioning and our environment. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. This madness was set up by our ancestors and now we have the opportunity to create a new way of being so we should see it as a challenge to undo stuff that people that went before us did that really has nothing to do with us yes we may be beneficiaries yes we may be those that are suffering as a result but still we have the opportunity to create something new it's almost like we're not learning new stuff it's almost like we're unlearning we're unlearning all that bullshit yes stuff. and we're not pretending difference doesn't exist you have blue eyes natural blonde hair <laughs> darling i have well i've got my russian hair in at the moment <laughs> but i'm blessed bless the russian lady <laughs> i'm talking about cultural appropriation today and i'm culturally appropriating <laughs> <laughs> But I have Afro hair with dark brown eyes and, you know, brown skin, but I'm black. And I think we cannot pretend that the differences aren't there, but what we should do is celebrate them. We should say, yeah, there are differences. Actually, we have far more in common, but yes, we have these differences and, and there's nothing to be frightened of. We should actually celebrate them and embrace them and not pretend it's not there. Yeah, mm. 100%. So just lastly, one yes, last question. darling. Because, you know, you've yes. got an amazing panel to do. Um, I could stay here all day. <laughs> I always ask people this, yeah. um, every guest, what are you excited about in 2018? And it doesn't oh, have to be yeah. work-related, but it can be It can be anything. Can I be honest? Yeah. We'll have to get together after to see if this happens. But I hope the Democrats do really well in the midterm elections and take back one of the houses. And if that happens, then we're all safe from Trump. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen, Lord help us all. <laughs> So yeah, yes. that's what I hope for 2018. How do you stay sane when when you have such a kind of interest in politics? Well, I think it's part of a process. You know, it's weird, Emma. I think we needed to go through this in order to deal with this stuff. Because, you know, a lot of liberal do-gooders were shocked by Brexit. Shocked by Trump. No way could people vote for someone who... Well, let's be honest, these views are there. Luckily, they're now coming to the surface. We can start dealing with them properly. Mm. And I think what we ha- what happened before, you know, when my parents came to the UK in the 70s, um, late 60s, early 70s, you know, they would go places and the signs were, and they were, they were trying to rent a house or buy a house, the signs were no blacks, no dogs, no Irish. That was normal, that was commonplace. Mm. We would never expect to see that now. And I think what we did, what the PC Brigade did, was we changed behaviour, thank God, but we didn't change all the hearts and minds. And now the work has to be around changing hearts and minds. And that means having difficult conversations. And so, you know, I grew up in a working class community, mainly white working class community, uh, who welcomed my family, who fully embraced us. Um, And, you know, the area that I grew up in is unrecognisable. And so for a lot of the uh, uh, indigenous communities, they feel uh, that they've been pushed out of their own area. And I think, let's not demonise people who feel that way. 
let's have the conversation. Let's understand what that feels like, where your environment changes beyond your control. Mm -hmm. And when you complain about it, you're called racist. You are demonized. When you are the very community that made multiculturalism possible in this country. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the conversations that we need to start having. Yes. Mm. I, I read a, a tweet actually a while ago which really spoke to me. It said, if you have if you have woken up I love it now, yeah. then that exposes yes. your privilege because yes. being shocked yeah. means yeah. you didn't have anything yeah. really yeah. to deal with. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yes, that's yeah. um so actually I lied. One one Please. last thing, very quick thing. Yeah. If someone listening now is inspired by all of this and, and obviously your book mm. what's like a one thing what's mm. the one thing that someone can do mm. that's quite easy in their everyday to kind of um live this message yeah more inclusive life yes yeah. i would say well apart from buying the book and it's available at all good bookstores darling <laughs> apart from that apart from that i would say the one thing they can do is become curious of the other so in your workplace who is the person that's most opposite to you and the person that you've probably avoided and never actually spoken to? Go and have a conversation. Find out who they are. You never know. You might be pleasantly surprised. Oh, on that note, yeah. and that wonderful bit of advice, um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.